perfect. Hi, Katie. Can you hear me okay? Oh, wait, hold on. Hi. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I'm hoping more people, excuse me, will come in person. Katie, you can hear me okay, right? Thumbs up if you can hear me. Awesome. Yeah, we have. A, I know there are like three or four at least in person. So, so I've taught for a lot less. But. Yeah. Nice. How how so how was it scripting with Wasim? I think I could see him being a machine at scripting. So oh yeah, he's great. He'll, he asked me tough, tough questions. Yeah, right? awesome. He asked me some questions sometimes. I don't even know what the answer to even now, even though I scripted, right? Yeah. So okay, so let me yeah, yeah. ask you. You can probably use this in your group later. Why? I'm awesome. You know, humility is my third best quality next to completely ridiculously good looking and super, super smart. Um, no, but on a serious note, you know what? Absolutely correct. There's like a million other realtors that are out there. The difference is, is the knowledge of what you want to put into it. Um, honestly, I, I look at this as a craft and I love doing what I do. So I'm constantly taking negotiation classes. I'm constantly taking out. Here's a little something I'll tell you. Yes, we need to market your house, but that's not actually what sells your house. It's negotiations. It's that you're able to win or lose $50,000 like that. So you need to ask yourself, is your realtor constantly taking negotiation classes or do they just have a photographer to make it look pretty? Um, that's how I usually describe it, right? Um, I'll usually make jokes around it. Um, but yeah, in the end though, that's one of the big differences. Like, and back up for some market knowledge and, um, sorry, market knowledge and uh, um, negotiation classes, that is your job. Like everything else is just fluff. Everything else is just fluff. The advertisement, the open houses, all that's just fluff. Negotiations and market knowledge. You get that crap down, you'll be laughing. So what is your main source for market knowledge? Market watch. MLS, seeing everything that comes up every day in a particular area, keep an eye on market, market watch pages one, three, and five. Those are for Durham. That's what works. Um, market watch, where do you get market watch? Uh, Treb. Treb will release market watch every month on the third or fourth of every month. That's all your stats. So it'll tell you your average sale price. It'll tell you months of inventory on market, um, everything else. Okay. And just kind of a quick way to read it. Uh, so months of inventory is a big one. For example, uh, right now on average, you have about one to 1.2 months of inventory, sometimes as low as 0.8 months. And what that means is if we didn't list another house, like let's say there was 300 sales and 300 uh, homes on the market in one month, then we'd sell out. So it means we have uh, zero months of inventory because it would take that time, right? So anything from zero to three months is a seller's market, three to five is a buyer, five plus, or uh, three to five is a balance, five plus is a uh, buyer's market. So are you trying to record it? <laughs> Actually, it's funny enough, it'll be recorded on here. Sorry, uh, zero to three months yeah. uh, in the seller's market. Yeah. Three to five months of inventory is a balanced market. Balance? Yep. Okay. And five, five plus is a buyer's. Okay. So usually at zero to three or uh, months, you see prices go up. Three to five, they kind of just stabilize. More than that, yeah. 
Awesome. Come on in and join. Have we officially met yet? Oh, <laughs> awesome. Hi, Nathan. I don't know. Five, five. That works. <laughs> yeah. I'm clearly not a cautious person. We're finally in person. I'm excited for this. Uh, no, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? We have. Um, People coming on, nice. Rachel, nice to you. You're working Here. out of this office? Yes, I'm um, just a part of the whole thing. I'll find you, so my office is just around the corner. So, you know, why not? I thought, yeah. Either Linda or Katie, would you be able to unmute and just say something so I can know if I can hear you ask questions? I'm here. Oh, cool. I can hear you. Perfect. Okay. I just wanted to make sure in case someone had questions, they can unmute themselves. Come on, unmute themselves and ask away. So. These two are just silly. So you just started with a uh, Volpe. I always say their name, Volpe. Oh, okay. So you've been there a little bit. Yeah, this is all recording by the way. So make sure to only say good things about them and that way it's not on record. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good group. So are you brand new to the industry or? Um, yeah, like just licensed. How, how's your uh, first, what's August, six months been, seven months been? Okay, okay, so you know what? No. Yeah. So I think I think Yeah. 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 The one that you never make con eye contact with, you're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you picked a great time for it is because, uh, sorry, I'm just trying to get this going here. Oops. Um, it's not like, it's like getting like nice, super cold out. So you get like a great workout for it. Okay. It's 1.59. So we might as well start up. Um, K, it's KW success. Uh, how do you spell success? S U C C or S U C? I don't know if you're joking or serious, so I'm not going to answer that. Um, no, I'm serious. I'm a horrible speller. Double C. Oh, I, I heard someone. Hey, how's it going, May? How you doing? I'm good. Yourself? Not too bad. Okay. Um, try saying one more thing. One more thing. I'm just trying to make sure I can. Hear. Okay. So this is going to be completely new for me. Let me close the door here because I, for some reason, can't teach with doors open. Um, this is going to be completely new for me. I've never actually done semi in person and semi on Zoom. 
So as weird as it sounds to the people on Zoom, like the camera's right in front of me, but for me to see you, I have to look that way. And I will walk off camera a little bit just in case someone actually does want to post a question um, or anything like that. If you are in on Zoom, you can either just post in the chat or you can just say something. We do have you hooked up to the speakers in behind um, so we can hear what you guys are asking. All right. Okay. So thank you very much for everybody for coming. Um, we're going to go through the fundamentals of scripting today. Um, and the, the reason why I wanted to do this is we will have an opportunity to talk a little bit about specific scripts. But what I really wanted to talk about is how to build rapport, how to close more clients, and what that system and process looks like. Um, so as you have scripts, if, if you have any objection handlers, we can talk about them at the end. But we're going to talk more about the structure behind scripts. Does that make sense? All right. And it's designed to be interactive. Hey, how are you guys doing? No worries. I'll just point you out as you come in. No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay. So the three things I, I want to cover today, um, we're going to talk about the disk program a little bit, because that is so important when it comes uh, to scripting the disk profile. We're going to talk about the mirror match game. We're going to talk about embedded commands. Um, that's probably all we're going to have time for, for the most part. Is there anything else though, when it comes to the scripting world with short of specific script that anybody else wants me to cover when we talk about scripting? Anything at all? All right, Groovy. We're going to jump right into it then. Is that clock even right? Sorry. I'm trying to figure out some sort of timing. If I check my watch, I just want to make sure I'm on time. Okay. Uh, who here knows what the disk profile is? Or is actually, let me phrase that. Does anybody not know what the disk profile is? Awesome. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be great. Okay. So the reason why we want to start off with the disk profile is um, you're meeting your first client. Imagine meeting your first client. We're trying to assess what their profile really is, what the disk is. The disk is just an idea of what their personality traits are. Now, everybody here has a disk. I have what you call a high D, a high I. So I'm like a, a 92D and like an 89I or something like that. And I'm going to explain to you exactly what that means. But in the end, what it means is I'm a very driven person that needs people to like them. Right. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about how we kind of go through and assess people this way. So you just go ahead and meet a client, um, a high D. We're going to use the analogy of a car. So a high D is your determined type um, or your direct type personality. So if you imagine a car on the highway, they'd be driving like a red Ferrari doing 120 fast lane, middle lane, weaving in and out of traffic. They need to get from A to B as fast as possible. They are so direct. They just blinders are on. They are charging forward. Okay. Now, one of the biggest reasons why we point out a D is because they hate time wasters. They do not want their time wasted. Um, and they also hate to lose, right? So you just set up an appointment with a client. Maybe it's a listing appointment and you run into a high D. You have to remember now all of a sudden your scripting changes completely to be more direct, more to the point and just kind of get, just nail it down and show them how they're going to win in it. Other things you can look at for a high D is how they dress. Um, so because I have in-person people, I get to actually kind of pick on this a little bit because of how they dress. I apologize, I can't remember your name. Mojana. Mojana, that's a very nice name. So Mojana, if you look at the way she's dressed, Ds will almost always look professional, right? And they'll almost always wear dark colors. So a lot of Ds will wear blacks, will wear grays, will be in pin suits, um, will always kind of be that kind of next level. So. Um, uh, because we we're just chatting about him, Wasim is a high D, right? And I have never seen his disc profile. I'm just telling you, man, that guy is top notch, ready to go all the time. 
okay? Your high eyes are your inspirational type. So your high eyes are, uh, going back to my analogy on the highway, they're most likely driving like a Volkswagen Bug or a mini convertible or something like that. To be honest with you, they probably have no clue what lane they're actually in. Blaring Britney Spears or sync, driving down the highway, honking, just waving at everybody. How y'all doing, right? Um, that is a high eye. They are that inspirational type, right? They're the kind of person that is always, always optimistic, always, always happy. Uh, you just, man, they're just infectious, right? Um, they're also the kind of person, though, that doesn't ever really get to the point like what they care about is building that connection with absolutely everybody right like you could be the worst realtor in the world as long as you're super happy with them they'll love you dearly right the reason why we need to point out high eyes is their biggest fear is not being liked they need to be liked by everybody that's why they kind of go over the top with everything they do now a part of that high eye personality if you want to tag them quite quickly again they're usually typically high energy high extroverts and they'll almost always wear bright clothing. So right now in here, we actually do not have, like, I think, Tanaz, you're not wearing bright clothing. You might be the closest to it, a high eye, but that's because I know your personality. Um, you have that, that that's, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Car's bright red, though. It's not a black SUV, you know, like it's, um, it's that outgoing personality type, right? So that's a D and an I. Now, if you can imagine for a minute, that D is direct. And the highest. When I talk about me being a high D and a high I, it means I am a very direct individual that absolutely has to be liked by absolutely everybody, which completely sucks, by the way. Um, it's horrendous match. Okay. S's are so, so important because about 65% of the population are high S's. This is what you're going to run into the vast majority of the time. So when we look at a high S, a high S, going back to our car analogy, would probably drive something like uh, a minivan, um, a Toyota Corolla, a Honda Civic, something along those lines is very manageable. They would probably stick in the slow lane, the mid lane. Maybe they do 10 over the speed limit. But you know what? They just want to get to where they're going, right? They're completely dared up. They're the kind of person I'm driving behind honking, just like, Jen, tell them to speed up and the I is like, oh, hey, person, while they're going past them. Like, that is just the way the S's are. Um, they're far more of like, I, I consider them more of a stable type personality. And again, the vast majority of people are S's. Um, when you look at a high S, their biggest fear is change. And when we talk about the whole engagement with client base, again, 62 to 65% of the world are high S's and they hate change. Imagine selling a high S's home. <laughs> that is why a lot of times this gets really stressful. Now, as a quick side note, the vast majority of realtors are not S's. A high S likes to have stable incomes. They like to have stable hours, you know when their day starts and when their day ends, right? So one thing that we're going to touch on a lot is a lot of realtors are D and I's. We are vastly intimidating to S's and we have to notice this part right away. Now, how you can normally tell a high S, I'm going to pick on Jason for a second just because normally wearing like a sweater type, I, I think you're an eye because I've seen you wear brighter clothes, but they're normally going to be wearing comfier clothes. And I apologize, I can't remember your name. Uh, Z, awesome, sorry. So like, again, that, that S personality type is having the sweater, having the jacket on, kind of that comfier part, right? Um, so this is one of those things to kind of keep in mind, just right from their clothes, you're going to tell whether like that they're a high S. The last one is a high C. 
And I apologize to any high, I hate high Cs, they drive me bonkers. Okay, so your high C is absolutely calculating, right? So your high C is, um, going back to my thing, my uh, analogy of going down the highway, they're probably driving the most fuel efficient car, right? They're most likely um, driving like, again, you could probably even say like, even like a smart car, something that just makes a lot of sense in life, right? They driving a Tesla, well, Tesla's kind of all over the place. Um, so they're, they're, that, they're always calculating too. They're the kind of person that's probably gonna sit in the slow lane or the mid, mid, mid lane again. Um, and again, ADD moment, uh, S's and C's are usually introverts where the other two are extroverts, not all the time. But so they're sitting there in the kind of slow lane, but here's the thing that they know. They're kind of looking at like how many kilometers they have left in their gas tank. They're like, oh, I have like 600 kilometers left. And they're constantly calculating how far they're gonna go. Do they have enough gas to get to where they wanna go, right? Um, they're always working numbers. How much time are they gonna to be to get there? They're the kind of person that has everything prepped right before you go. Um, if you ever walk into someone's office and they are a realtor and their desk is spick and span, organized everything, that is a high S or a high C, sorry. They know stats like no tomorrow as well. Like they're, uh, I'm a baseball fan. I love baseball stats. These guys will know stats far more than you will if you are not a high C. And that's a level of preparedness that they come with. And the one thing they hate is being wrong. Now, remember I told you I'm a high DI. My wife is a high CS. <laughs> so I actually literally married a woman who absolutely hates being wrong. And I'm a kind of person who's overabundant and like pushy with all my information. And it is crazy. I'll tell you this. If I even remotely come close to proving her wrong, hell will bend backwards. She will research the crap out of the topic for the next three days, four days. I forgot, man. Like I'm a flaky eye. Like I have no idea what the hell's left from right. She'll come back four days later and be like, hey, I found that report I was telling you about. You were wrong. This is what it means to have a real diet. Like this is the way she operates. I, it could be, there's a possibility that that is. Um, so uh, <laughs> the, reason why, the reason why you need to know this is, um, I'm going to back up to, you're also, your high C's are going to be a lot more calculated. Like, and I have a feeling, if you've done your, you haven't done a disc profile, I'm going to have a hunch that you're a high C, right? That you have a little bit of a calculated side to it just because you're, don't take this the wrong way. You're dressed up like you want to be a D, but not fully like a D, right? It's kind of like, hey man, how's it going? It's kind of like uh, you're almost fully to that D position of wanting to wear the suit. You have the sweater vest, you have the collar, right? But it's not like the latest trend. Like it's not like you walked into, um, uh, I can't remember. I don't even know. Like what's a high-end store? Like a trendy, sure. Like like you're you're dressed great but it's not like that, that cutting edge trend, but you're dressed up for everything you wanna do. And that's how you can tell a high C. A high C often has this almost like science feel to them. A lot of scientists are high Cs and all the rest, right? So that's kind of the reason why, um, that's kind of the disc profile in a nutshell. And the reason why, again, you really, really need to know your disc profile is for a couple of reasons. Number one, you need to know what you are because you need to know where you're kind of pressury and how you're gonna connect with other people, right? As a high B and a high I, again, I intimidate S's or I's like, or blah, blah, S's like no tomorrow, right? I talk quickly, I get direct to the point. I go a mile a minute and they are not set that way. So when I deal with an S, I have to slow myself right down. I have to engage. Again, being a high D and probably one of my buyer's agents gonna be listening to this at one point or another and will laugh, my I is high, but I don't really care about personal things. Like I, I've, um, one of my buyer's agent has five kids. I know the name of one. I've known her for like seven years. 
I, I only know the name of one out of her five kids. And she's probably eye rolling at me right now. My ID, did I, people ask me, oh, what do your clients do for a living? I, I don't care. As long as they have a job and a decent credit rating and some money down, that's all I really care about. That's the high D personality, okay? In this industry, we need to be a chameleon and match to what that personality type is. Now, um, just kind of for some feedback, who here, is anybody kind of like screaming one that they don't really get along with? Is there a type of person that I just described and you're like, wow, I do not get along with that type of person? C's. Why don't you get along with C's? 100%. So analytical, eh? Yeah. S, you don't get, you need to get along with S's by the way, but yes. <laughs> so S's are the ones you really don't get along with. I think it's more of that fear of change that's not 100% fair. Right. Again, mine again are high DCs. Another big one are high Ds. Um, have you ever met people who are just so direct and you're like, wow, like I can't believe you're actually saying these things. I want to give you guys a hint about high Ds right now. High Ds, actually pretty much any personality type, they're communicating with you the way they want to be communicated with. Now, before I engage my high D, this profiles typically don't change unless there's a major event happen. But in real estate, that's kind of a major event. Again, I have a high I where people, I want people to like me. So one of my best friends is a high D and dude, he is direct and he is exactly that the word that you're thinking of is what he would represent, right? The day the whole world changed, the day that he was direct with me where I thought he was being insulting and I was direct right back with him in the exact same way. And it was like there was instant respect built, right? Almost overnight. If you're having a challenge with your high C's, right? Because again, high C's are super analytical. You need to come prepared for that appointment. Now, to give you an idea how quickly you can pick this up, it's going to happen right when you answer the phone. You don't even need to meet them in person. I can tell you pretty much from the way you say hi, what personality type it is. For example, if I call a high D, they'll be like, hi, what? They'll be quick, direct to the point. You can hear it in their tone. They're just direct to that point. If I call a high I, they're like, hey, how's it going? Right? They're now so nicely engaging. If I call a high S, um, you'll get a little bit of kindness behind it because they don't want to rock the boat too terribly much. But you ever hear how you can hear almost like that reserve in people's voices? Just from that hello, you're going to get a little bit of that reserve. And if you get a high C, it is literally like going to be calling almost like a robot or a statistician or a doctor of some sort. Good question. So I don't know if anybody on Zoom can hear that. So I was going to repeat it. So he was asking if you have a mix of, of two, like a high DI, um, if it's going to be a mix of both when you have it. So we always lead with one, right? So being a high D and a high I, my D is higher. I will always lead with my D. My I is just that secondary stat as you get to know me, right? So to short answer, no, you'll still have a pretty good idea who they are on the phone. Like when you call me, it's always, hello, Nathan speaking. This is very quick point, right? Um, even though I have a lot of high eye that wants to engage in that conversation. Okay. So this point of the conversation, it's going to lend to something that we call um, painting versus pointing. 
Okay. So as you're engaging with clients, certain personality types like D's and C's, they're what we call pointers typically. And a lot of I's and S's are what we call painters. And here's the difference of what goes on to the story. So we're going to use a fictitious story of somebody going to the grocery store. If I'm a painter, this is how this story goes. Oh my goodness, Tanaz, I went to the grocery store the other day. It was so crazy. Traffic was bonkers, man. The guy in front of me just like barely even go the speed limit. I just wanted to get out and punch him in the face all the time. And it was absolutely annoying when I finally got to the grocery store, man, there was like a grocery cart that I've nearly hit, but I decided to take it. It was pretty easy and accessible and the smell in the parking lot was hurt. Okay. That's a high eye. They are painting an entire picture for you. Okay. This is a high D the way they say it. Hey, Tanaz, I went to the grocery store. I bought some bananas. I came home direct to the point. Now, the reason again, why this is so important to understand, if you are talking to a client who is a painter and you are a pointer, you may be the rudest person to them ever. And you have to recognize that. If they are painting a story, engage in the story, ask them questions about the story. I know you don't care as a pointer. It doesn't matter. And if you are a painter talking to a pointer, the only thing going through their head the entire time is get to the point. Let's get going, let's get going, let's get going, right? So this is one of the main ways we utilize the DISC scenario. Um, any questions about that? I'm gonna even keep an eye on the chat there. Yes. So we, we use the terms extrovert. And the question was if I ever encountered a DC, like an extrovert introvert personality. Yes. And I hate them dearly. DCs are probably the people I do not get along with the most. Right. Imagine being, okay. So a DI being a direct person has to be like, imagine being a direct person that can't be wrong. Yeah. Um, so short answer to that is yes, you do encounter it. Now we use the term introvert and extrovert very wrong in today's world, I find. We use it as this blanket terminology. Here's the only difference between an introvert and an extrovert. It's how you gather your energy. I am an extrovert. If I go out with people, I gather my energy from being out with people. And if I'm an introvert, I just gather more energy being at home. It doesn't mean I can't go out and mingle. It doesn't mean I want to stay at home all the time. It just means that's how I rejuvenate, right? Um, yes, you do run into the people. So the combinations exist all throughout very rarely do you see more than someone with a high one or two, but a DC is just a direct person who's very calculating. So when you recognize a DC, you have to be direct to the point. Your presentation cannot be very long and you better be accurate. You better know all your information, right? When I go on a listing presentation with a DC or a C in general or a D in general, man, I am bringing this many files. I am bringing like, I only ever use four comparables when I actually do a market analysis, but I'm bringing everything that sold on the street in the last year. I don't have to know it. I just have to make sure I have it there with me and be able to accurately portray it. The other thing you have to make sure you do too when you're dealing with that type of is you can't leave doubt, right? The second you leave doubt in their mind, they are not going to trust you. So if you're going to be wrong, boldly be wrong, right? If you don't know, do not lie. Do not make it up. You just boldly tell them you do not know and you will find out. They will respect that answer even though, our personality type is usually one that makes us feel lesser. Make sense? All right. Make sure there's no other questions. Awesome. Okay. Any questions before I move on from that? All right. So the first thing you're going to do, you meet a client. You're going to assess very quickly what their disc pro, uh, profile is. 
I will get you the name of a few books. I can't remember off the top of my head that are really good if you want to learn more about the disc profile. Uh, if you ever want to know your disc, you can actually just go online to, um, I think there's a Richard Robbins site that has it. There's a few other sites. We can get links for that after recording. Okay. So then after that, um, we're going to assess that right away because then we're going to do what's called play the mirror match game, right? Now, people like to be with people that are like them, right? So I, I always ask this, like I got asked this question one time. If I were in China, let's say I went to visit China and I had to go to the doctor and there were 10 Chinese doctors and one white doctor, which one do you think I would naturally go to? The white doctor, largely because all of a sudden, just based off one small little minuscule thing, there's an instant bond that happens between us. People like to be with people that are like just the nature of human beings, right? So when we start playing the mirror match game, this is where we're going to take pay attention to the person in front of us, right? You need to be as much like them as possible. If they, so let's talk, talk about tonality first. If they talk quick, you need to talk quick. And if they talk slow, you need to talk slow. Now, um, when we talk about talking quick, fast talkers, just throw out some terms that has to do with fast talking. Like when I, when I talk to you about fast talkers, give me some jobs, some careers, some descriptive terms, and please do not be nice about them. There's no like nice way. When you hear fast talkers, what do you think of? Salesmen. Lawyers. Lawyers. <laughs> Liars. That's a good one. I like that. CEOs. Okay. You can see we're kind of talking about salespeople. We're talking about very higher people, but like really fast talkers, when you think about it, like I always think of used car salesman. Would that be a good, good idea? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now let's go to the reverse of this. When you think of somebody who talks really, really slowly, what's your honest opinion of them? Like, do you think they're smart? less intelligent. What else do you think? Sorry? Too much time on their hands, right? What other descriptive words? Spacey. Okay. So slow talkers are spacey, have way too much time on their hands, um, and are lesser intelligent. And fast talkers are car salespeople, liars, and lawyers. Sound about right? Okay. So what this means is if you run into somebody who talks faster than you, there is a very good chance they think you're slow, spacey, and unintelligent. And if you talk to run into someone who talks a lot slower than you, they probably think you're lying to them and just trying to sell them something. Okay. The mirror match game is so ridiculously important. So you want to match tonality as much as possible. When you match tonality, um, part is you're also going to match their words, right? So um, try to figure out what words. Who here has ever had a client that excessively swears? Yeah, like it happens to everybody at some point. Is it not oddly uncomfortable? Like, I mean, excessively. So my dad was a minister before he retired. My mom was a nurse before she retired. Cursing is just did not happen in our house, right? So I can tell you this, whenever I was with my mom and dad and we were out somewhere and somebody cursed, like dropped the F-bomb, it was like the most uncomfortable feeling in the world. You guys ever felt like that weird uncomfortableness? Okay, so this is another reason why tonality is so thing. If, even if you're not a big cursor, 
you have to match their tonality and their words that they use. So if someone's dropping the F-bomb all day long, I might not, I don't not have to go to their level, but I'd be like, yeah, you know, that's a little bit of bullshit that just happened right there, right? I'm going to throw something in to connect and relate to them in that mirror match game. It's going to calm that uncertainty. Okay. Now, all these things that we're doing um, is building rapport, right? So we're going to match their body style. If they're kind of sitting there like this, I'm going to sit there like this. If they have their arms crossed, I'm going to have their arms crossed. If we're sitting at a table and they're lean back, I'm going to lean back. And if they're leaning forward, I'm going to lean forward. I'm going to keep mirror matching, matching everything they do. Now, I don't want to be so stupid direct with it that I start getting pointed out. Like if one guy was like, hey, Nathan, you better get me the top sale price in this whole street. I'm not going to look at him and be like, Mr. Seller, I got this, right? Um, I'm not going to match it to that degree. What I might turn around and say is, well, Mr. Seller, I actually do end up doing a whole lot of business in the area. I have a fantastic marketing plan. And I can tell you this, if there's a chance to get the top sale in your street, it's going to be with me, right? If you notice, I might not be as direct, but I'm still using my hand in a similar motion, very, very calmly, right? All these things build rapport. And when they start building rapport, you can always tell when you have rapport because they actually subconsciously start matching you and they don't even realize they're doing it. So I knew this one guy, Stephen Young, great realtor. He talked fast, right? And I would always try matches. When I mean he talked fast, I mean he talked fast. I mean, like, I'm not even talking nearly as fast as he would talk, and he would talk even faster than this. It was very, very hard to keep up with Stephen Young when he was talking very, very fast. I one day decided to mirror match him, and I did that. We got into rapport after matching him. When I started slowing down my speech, he actually started slowing down his speech with me, right? So I started talking really quickly and then I just kind of started talking normally. And then Stephen Young started talking normally and matched my speech. And then I wasn't asking enough questions and I wasn't listening well enough. So then his speech started speeding up again. And that told me I was out of rapport with him, right? And so I started mirror matching him again, paying attention to it again. And then he was back in rapport with me, okay? Now, you guys are gonna hate me after this exercise, um, but this is exactly how you tell whether you're in rapport or not, okay? Who here has been to a busy Tim Hortons? I love this exercise. Okay, so you're in a super, super busy rapport. This is how you can tell if you're in rapport with someone or not. Tim Hortons is super, super busy, really, really long lineup. Man, everybody behind the counter is going a mile, mile a minute. And they're going, like barking orders back and forth, back and forth. They're trying to get through as many people as possible. They're finally next in line. And they go up and go, Mr. or Mrs., what would you like? And you go, huh. You know, I think I want to get, what's, what's good here? Okay, who here is oddly uncomfortable? with that who here kind of wanted to kind of punch me in the face with that you kind of had that pit in the bottom of your stomach like oh my goodness we just went from this really high energy level that feeling is what you get when you're out of rapport right so that's that trigger warning to know whether you're in rapport or out of rapport uh with a client okay any questions about that anybody want to try that at tim hortons it seriously drives everybody bonkers like it's absolutely fun I love doing it. Okay, so that's the mirror match game. You're gonna figure out, again, I'm always gonna recap after we go to the next step. You're gonna figure out what their disc profile is very quickly by talking to them, by observing them, by watching what they do, okay? Once you kind of figure that out, you're gonna go into the mirror match game and you wanna build rapport with them. 
when you build rapport with them, they're going to think you are like them. And by the way, this cannot go as crazy. I happen to know a guy who called, called, this was him, not me, just retelling the story. He was a white dude who used to call Asian neighborhoods. And he actually used the slightest, oh, so slightest Asian accent when he called. And he got listing appointments left, right, and center. And the comment he got all the time was, oh, I thought you were Chinese. Every time he showed up. Right. All he did was mirror match what their English accent was or their accent was when they spoke English. And he did it at the slightest little bit. It works really well. It builds that rapport. OK, why do we do this? Um, this is how we create embedded commands with clients. OK, so once we build rapport, we can now actually kind of sway them to do things we want now. Um, this sounds kind of crazy. I need everybody to kind of solemnly swear something. I am honestly going to teach you something that works extremely, extremely well, but is highly manipulative. So please do not use powers for evil. We only promise using them for good. Okay. All right. Yeah. And it's recorded. So I just got to see everybody put up their hands. Okay. So the reason why we talk about embedded commands, remember our clients are often indecisive, but we're dealing with high S's or whatever case may be. We still want to guide them down a path. The whole point is scripting. The whole point of them using us is we need to take control of the scenario, allow them to be calm and guide them down a path. And that's the reason why embedded commands work so well is because it helps guide them down a proper path, okay? Now, uh, back in the 50s or 60s or sometime along there, or you might've heard of this example from Fight Club, if anybody's seen Fight Club, um, they wanted to increase popcorn sales, right? Now, they couldn't convince people to buy popcorn who didn't want popcorn. Here's what they could do is the average eye can only see, I think it's 30 frame rates a second or 60. Either way, the video will go at 120 frame rates a second. So your eye doesn't actually pick up everything that happens. So they used to splice photos of popcorn into the movie. You would never see it. You could watch the movie 10 times and you would never see that photo of popcorn. Yet popcorn sales increased by 80% when they started doing that. Because what would happen is, is you're in a movie theater and you wanted popcorn. And now all of a sudden your subconscious, whether you realize or not picked up on something that caused you to go buy popcorn because your subconscious saw the picture of popcorn, even though your eye or your brain didn't, right? So that's why we build rapport to create the term and embedded commands. An embedded command is basically getting someone to do something that they're going to do anyways, yet to do it with you, okay? So, and it's structured by the way. An embedded command needs to be a standalone statement. So for example, if I come up to you and I say, list with me, that phrase makes sense on its own, right? Um, if I say, uh, I don't know, I just think of a non, I do this a lot. I can't even think of a non-standalone statement. Um, when you work with, okay, when we, if you say we work together, that doesn't really stand on its own. You need more context if I say we work together, right? But when we work together, work together does make sense on a standalone statement. Do you see the difference in that? Like how one, okay. So it needs to be a standalone statement, right? And you need to have a pause before you say the command, command, needs to be said in a lower downgraded tone, followed by another pause, okay? So something that would look like, if I'm gonna write this out, they would say like, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, 
when you dot 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 list with me downward inflection, you will see how easy the process is. Yeah, so I'm going to exaggerate this, but it's actually really not that exaggerated. And by the way, you'll never be able to see another politician's speech ever again after learning this. Um, so if I were to say this as an exaggerated said, I'd say, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, when you list with me, you're going to see how easy the process is. Right? That makes sense? So the embedded commands could go on and on. When you list with me, when you buy with me, when we change the price then you'll see we'll get a lot more action on the activity of the listing, right? What are some other embedded commands? Just kind of as we're talking about this, what are some other embedded commands that you could think of that would work? You don't even have to use real estate, by the way. Like here, for anybody with kids, when you clean your room, then we'll go ahead and go out to get ice cream. Okay, perfect. So the example was accept, oh, accept your offer. So, hey, Jason, uh, thank you very much, man. I'll tell you what, man, when your clients accept my offer, you're gonna see how easy this transaction is gonna go. There won't be any problems, right? You could definitely use this in the form of negotiations as well. Now, does everybody have some? Okay, so I want, I want to do, I rarely do this part, but I'll actually wanna do this as an exercise, okay? Um, does anybody actually want to come up and write a sentence with an embedded command? Anybody brave enough for that? Ah, I knew someone would. Okay, so what I want you to do is just write, I'll leave this sentence up here so you can do it right below it. Just write out a sentence, an easy one that has an embedded command the same way I did it. That's all right. Now, the reason why I'm going to do this, while I'm going to do this, if you guys get one takeaway from, from this whole part of the conversation is write 10 a day for four weeks, right? Just keep kind of writing them out 10 a day for four weeks. Let this become a natural part of your language. You're going to notice after you do this, I do this all the time. People who actually know me after I teach this sort of part of courses, they get mad because I do this all the time. It's just naturally a part embedded. This is gonna be really fun too when he writes this out. Every time. Okay, while well, he's also writing it out, something else that's very, very important. As you write him out, I want you to write exactly the way my sentence was, the dot, 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 the embedded command, downward arrow. What do you think happens if you use a upward inflection when doing this technique? It becomes a question. And then what does that create in them? What's that, sorry? Doubt. Remember, this is actually appealing on a subconscious level. When you actually use this terminology somewhere on their subconscious, they're either agreeing or disagreeing with you. So if you do an upward inflection, it will create doubt and it's a much harder time uh, to close that appointment. But Mr. and Mrs. Seller, when you sign the agreement, I will call all the other agents and cancel the appointments on their behalf. We don't want to waste their time. Awesome. Okay. So the embedded command is Mr. and Mrs. Seller, when you sign the papers, you're going to see how smooth the sale of your home will be. 
All right. I want you to do this because inevitably the first time anybody does this, it actually makes a crazy difference. Anybody want to say the embedded command? Does anybody want to say that embedded command? Which, which one did you guys say more forcefully? Okay, so as you're writing them out, I apologize, Jason, I'm like 100% set you up to pick on you because everybody does this. Always want this to be in capital letters. Just read the two phrases side by side and tell me if they say sound different in your head. 100%. So, as you go through and you want to learn the scripts, you want to learn the closing and start closing, practice your embedded commands. Um, start writing them out. Look at a list. Just go through them. Again, it just doesn't... Who, who here has kids? Am I the only one with kids? How old are your kids? Do, do, they, do they still have to clean their room? Okay. Try it with your kids. Have a reason. Use embedded commands with your kids, with anything. Try it with your friends, family. It sounds crazy, but it works really well. Mirror match get into rapport, and then use an embedded command. One last side note, by the way, you know embedded commands work. Let's say you're out for a, a dinner or you're out just for drinks with friends. You know you're in rapport and embedded commands will work is if you take a drink and within 45 seconds, whoever else takes a drink is actually in rapport with you and you know it'll work out. It'll be crazy how much they follow. Question. Yeah. Does the mirror match have anything to do with the concept of mirroring as well? Like where somebody is not opening up to you, so you kind of mirror what they say without asking a question, and then they subconsciously indirectly open up. So they'll say, hmm. My stomach hurts, and you'll say, Your stomach hurts without saying why. Right. And then they'll say, Well, so and so. Does that have anything to do with mirror matching? That's a good question. I'd actually have to think on that one a little bit, to be honest with you. Because one thing I will tell you is that, to like, as, as you, so I, I'm going to go back. Yes, it will build rapport. Um, I can't remember the name of the term. I literally just uh, heard the term yesterday. When you repeat back what people say, it is almost an instant way of building rapport with them. So that is a part of the, the mirror match game in itself. I don't really utilize it fully that way unless I'm trying to clearly understand something, right? Um, and a lot of this, by the way, is to clearly understand your clients, right? So I'd have to think on that one, but yeah, that's... Um, that's a really good thing to do, by the way. Always, uh, in case you guys missed it, always mirror back what they said to you, right? All right. I have 20 minutes, so I'm going to show you one last thing, um, and then you can throw your objections with me. We can talk about how to script around it. Oh, and just want to make sure something here. Am I able to mirror the camera? Oh. Sorry, one second here. Is that better? No, it's still backwards for us. Mm. And it's still backwards again. It didn't change at all? No. <laughs> oh, that's weird. It's changing on my side. Huh? Oh, I like it. Um, okay, can I read the sentence aloud? We're seeing everything. Okay, Haley, did, did I read the sentence aloud? Did you see the sentence? Sorry, I apologize. I'm, I'm kind of really new to this thing. Okay, perfect. 
Um, I'm still new to this whole checking the other side of the camera part. Okay, I'm gonna erase this in case anybody wants like a photo or anything. Once, twice, all right. And I forgot my paperwork, so I don't wanna mess this up. Um, oh, I did mess it up already. Ha -ha. Okay, so objections. Who here gets objections? All the time. Okay. So first and foremost, there, there's a, a lesson I'd love to put out. Um, <laughs> I cannot write it backwards. Um, you get the, or you cause the objections you get. Okay. So first and foremost, whenever we talk about objection handlers, you really, really need to know this. You cause the objections you get. And I'll give you an example of this. When I was brand new to the industry, I was 26 year old, um, bright eyed, big future ahead of me and everything else. Right. Um, one thing I got all the time, all the time was, so how long have you been doing this? How long have you been in the industry? Oh yeah. You know, we were, we really like you. We, we think you're great. Uh, we just wanted someone with more experience, right? All the time. So I got sick of this objection. I was done with it. So I made a choice. I decided to research the crap out of my market. So that way, when people ask me how long they want someone with more experience, I got all the experience in the world. So I spent days after days charting price points, going back with stats, memorizing what came on the market, searching everything every single day. Finally, I get my next buyer's appointment and I'm all excited about this. I'm ready to handle the objection I get all the time. And guess what? Never got asked again. Never once after certain something I was doing was actually creating that objection whether it be a confidence issue or anything like that. So first and foremost, if you are getting, I'll give you an example. If you are getting a, a commission objection, like a real commission objection, the issue is not that the person is cheap. The issue is you articulating your value, okay? So whenever you look at scripting towards any objection, know that you create the objections you're gonna get. Now, there is a formula that uh, to show you guys that works really well. The first thing you want to do, actually, just could anyone want to give me an objection they got recently? And just don't use the family one. I hate it. We're like, oh, my brother. Okay. This is often the objection that people don't pay Okay. Now, one thing, okay. I, I, I actually want to address that because I've been hearing this more and more lately. Is that really an objection or is that a reality? Like, let's face it. Can you, like, who here wants to force somebody out of their house just so you can make a sale without not knowing anything else? Okay, do they really want to sell if that's their objection? If they have no plan of moving anywhere, do they really, are they actually in a good spot to sell? If they have no plan of moving? 
So one of the things I want to say with that objection, and I appreciate you bringing that objection up. I really do because I've been hearing a lot more lately. If the person has no idea where they want to move to, they don't want to move. <laughs> Just let it go. Go to the next one. Okay. What's another objection? Oh, perfect. Okay, so discount brokerage. Okay. What was the value of the house approximately? I would say 1.4. 1.4. Okay. So the objection is when I'm ready to sell, I'm going to go to a discount brokerage, or we can say it's a commission objection, whatever case may be. Absolutely fantastic. So the first thing you always, always want to do is agree with the objection. Um, Always agree. There is nothing worse, and you are going to get nowhere if they think you think they're stupid. If you're like, okay, you want to go to a discount brokerage? Good luck, buddy. Right? That is going to get you nowhere. So, Mr. and Mrs. Potential Seller, I 100% and get the concept that everybody wants to save money in this market today. Makes sense, doesn't it? I'm agreeing with it. The next thing you're going to do is you're going to isolate the objection. Okay. So, but Mr. and Mrs. Seller, let me ask you if I were currently at discount brokerage, would you list with me today? Right. You don't want to handle objections until you have them all out. Well, no, we actually still want it. Okay, great. Well, what's holding you back? Right. Start getting all the objections out. Don't start answering too early. Let's say, though, you isolate it. And they say, yeah, you know what, Steve, if you were a discount broker, I'd list with you in a heartbeat. We'd be signing the paperwork right now. Okay. So now you're going to create a very plausible what if scenario. Okay. Mr. and Mrs. Seller, your home is worth $1.4 million. Let me ask you, how happy would you be if? all of a sudden you decided to undersell your home and you lost out on an extra hundred. How happy would it be if you knew you could have actually gotten 1.6, but you have to settle for 1.5? How happy would you be? Okay, so I'm creating the negative scenario of why if they go through with what they wanna do is gonna, and I'm gonna justify this action, right? Because I happen to know that out of all the costs in real estate, every realtor needs to pay their brokerage pay their taxes, then they need to advertise your house and make sure they maximize the dollar forward value for that. And then they need to feed their family at the end. That's what they get left over. And I also happen to know that most of the discount brokers still drive cars and still live in a house and they still have to pay their brokerage and they still have to pay their taxes. So really, where's the discount actually coming out of? Marketing your house. And that's why it could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right? So that's why I'm creating the what if. Now I'm going to propose a new action or a, um, not a condition, um, a concession. Okay. So we're going to call this the concession. So what a concession is, is I'm going to offer something in return for something else. Now I'm not talking about a commission uh, concession. I've never cut my commission in 12 years. I don't plan on doing it now. Right. But I can say, well, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, if you list with me today, then I am willing to commit to you 
to maximizing every dollar in the budget to maximize the value of your property, to not leave $1 left on the table. So that way, instead of having to settle for maybe 1.4, 1.5, we can maximize the most you get for your property. Make sense? So that's the concession I'm giving them. Now I'm gonna give them one of two options, right? So this is what we call, it's a, a double bind. Um, I can't remember the actual term, but it is a double bind. So, or basically two options. So Mr. and Mrs. Seller, let me ask you, what would you rather do? Do you wanna roll the dice with your biggest investment with somebody who isn't even gonna market your property? Or again, would you rather list with me today and maximize the value you're gonna get and the sale price? And you can almost take that into any sort of objection. Um, okay. Did you guys get the objections right out loud there? Yeah. Okay, cool. Is there any other objection? Like, and this, this pattern, by the way, goes into every other objection. Like, is there another objection? I always get that I look really young, which goes into the Perfect. Okay. A hundred percent. I understand, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, you actually want to deal with an older, experienced agent. But let me ask you, um, or but let me ask you, if I was actually that older, experienced agent today, would you list with me right now? So the answer is usually yes, hopefully. Otherwise, you're not isolating at all. Okay, so you'll isolate the trend. Because let me ask you something. What happens if you hire that experienced agent that's been in the industry for 30, 40 years? And I can tell you from experience, all marketing is done online. It's done on social media. As a matter of fact, home sold on TikTok today. So what would happen if by hiring that experienced realtor, you actually lost out on the key places to advertise your property? Because let's face it, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, the newspaper doesn't cut it anymore. Tell you what, if you hire me today, then I'm gonna go ahead, make sure we utilize every piece of social media technology to advertise your house. We're, gonna get, we're not gonna get in front of hundreds, we're gonna get in front of tens of thousands of people through the power of the internet and social media. So let me ask you, what would you rather do with your largest investment? Would you rather use some experience, have it in the newspaper, and maybe miss out on a lot of the new technology today? Or would you rather list with me, maximize where your home is gonna go, and stay on the cutting edge of marketing. Okay. Exactly. So just so you know what the analogy was for, uh, for the Zoom portion, um, the analogy was, uh, I'm hopefully going to recap this properly. Um, okay, I can understand that everybody wants more experienced people, but again, use the analogy. What would you rather have on your basketball team? A younger superstar that's doing 22 points a game or somebody old guy sitting on the bench who maybe gets two done, right? Because I can tell you that the average realtor on the realtor board is only getting one to two deals done, right? Along those lines? Yeah, it works. You're creating, you're isolating, you're creating the what if, right? So you create the what if around it, create that new behavior, and then 
create the concession of what you're willing to do. In the same objection I had today, the guy also then sort of like, can I be with the exact same kind of content that you told me? And then like, well, what's stopping me from, you know, going on house Sigma and I can see the house and compare it to my house and just list it at my own price because I know the market, I have market watch, I have access to the firm. Yeah. So that's what you're saying, right? And I would say, Right, so like I was saying, you know, well, that's true, but this really give you an inside look because as a realtor, we know more on the inside more than you would. So we have the insights. So okay, so the thing was, uh, the next objection was, well, what the the seller who wanted the discount broker um, basically ended up saying that, well, what's to stop him from doing? It? He can go on House Sigma, he can see all the prices, he can put it on Treb now through mere listing postings. So why even go that route, right? Okay, so here's a fun trick, by the way. Um, this is kind of like a bigger conversation. I can't really dive into because we don't have the time, but I like to give away power that really actually gives me power. Okay. And here's an example of that. <laughs> if I got that objection, I go, Mr. or Mrs. Seller, you know what? If you're looking at hiring a discount brand, you actually should sell it on your own because the reality is you're going to care more about your sale than that agent will. And you'll probably do a better job than that agent. I'm giving away that power. Now, nobody wants to do that work, right? You should handle all the calls, all the showings and everything. But Mr. and Mrs. Seller, let me, can I let you in on a little bit of a secret right now? How many homes have you sold in the last year? Just for fun, role play with me. None. None. This will be the only home you sold in the last year. My company, because I know, I don't, I don't think you've sold any in the last, okay. My company, we literally were just shy of a thousand listings last year. A thousand. You're not actually hiring me to make it look pretty online. Where my skill set comes to play is I'm taking negotiation after negotiation after negotiation course to maximize the value of your property. And you're dealing in a high stake negotiation where $50,000 can turn just like that. So let me ask you, what would you rather do? Do you want to put your house online, negotiate it yourself with people who negotiate thousands of homes a year? Or would you rather hire me and allow me to negotiate on your behalf with the experience I currently have? Right? So it, it always is keep, it's going to keep going back to our experience. And by the way, as a side note, we talked a little bit about this earlier, that seller is not wrong. Our job is to negotiate houses and to know the market. We will know the market better than any seller will. If you cannot negotiate better than a seller, yeah, if you get beat on commission by a seller, they need to sell the house on their own because they're a better negotiator than you. And whoever they sign as a discount broker is not a great negotiator. You start having that mindset though, you can convey that in value. All right, we got five more minutes. Are there any other objections or any other scripts that you guys want to know? All right. I'll give you my last one because I do this one a lot and I do it twice today and Tanaz made me do it like a million times to record it. Who's doing open houses this weekend? One. Is there any hands up there? Okay. Do you guys want a good open house closing script? Yeah. Just for fun? Okay. This one's being recorded. Okay. Um, I'm not a pushy guy, by the way. So um, I, I make sure all my scripts are very nice and easy. So this is an open house script. Okay. There's three parts to an open house. Um, can I do this in three minutes? Okay, they yeah, haven't done the first part though.
this is what I call my conversation funnel is um, the first thing you want to do at an open house is you have to become their friend. Right. And you're going to do that through relating through very miscellaneous things. You're going to really, really pay attention to small little details of how they talk, things that they have on. For example, who here is wearing a nice watch? Who here loves getting comments on their nice watch? Why else would we wear? Like we can all wear $10 watches. We get nice watches if we like comments. Who here actually receives comments on their nice watches? Well, girls do, but whatever. Um, so a guy comes in wearing a nice watch. I'm like, dude, that is a nice watch. I'm instantly building rapport. If they come in wearing a baseball hat with a team on it, I'm going to make a comment about the sports team. If I'm not into sports, I'm going to make a sarcastic comment about it. Like if someone comes in wearing a Habs hat, I'll usually make a joke along the lines of, uh, sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Potential Buyer. We've actually hit our quota for Habs fans today to come into the open house. So unfortunately, we're going to have to ask you to leave, right? And then they get awkward and you make a joke like, I'm just kidding. They're used to that rivalry. And so you make a joke around it, but you want to become friendly. Honestly, until you are friendly with them, there is no point in doing anything else. You want to become friendly. Then the next thing you're going to do is want to become a professional. Okay. So now that you're friendly, you have to be more than just friendly. Who here has had a friend, a friend, not use you, but use just an asshole realtor. Just a guy who's a, yeah. Because people would rather have a competent asshole than a friendly, incompetent person, right? So next thing you need to do is become a professional. Now there's a very few quick ways you can do this at an open house. And I'll give you three um, that you guys can steal and then figure out more, especially when home inspections come back. All right, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, potential buyer, you know, super enjoy giving you a hard time about being a house fan. Listen, has anybody actually taken you through a house yet, really? And they're like, no, not really. Are you cool if I show you a couple of things to look out for? And they were like, yeah, that's a cool idea. Great. So three easy things you can do. Mr. and Mrs. Seller, let's go take a quick look at the furnace. I want to show you the difference between a high efficiency and a efficiency furnace, right? And just so you guys know, if it's a high efficiency furnace, it has two white or maybe black or a black and a white pipe coming out the top. If it's a efficiency furnace, it has a big giant silver piece of metal coming out the top as an exhaust, right? And you say, this is how you tell the difference between the two, uh, uh, two different furnaces. And they're like, well, we knew that. I'm like, well, this is something you may not have known, Mr. Mr. Seller. Did you happen to know that high efficiency furnaces are actually only really good at homes built after like 2000? Because homes after 2000 are designed to be built airtight and hence why the high efficiency furnace works where pre 2000, they're actually built to breathe and a mid efficiency furnace is actually gonna maximize the value in your power bill in that house. But a lot of people just get sold in the high efficiency furnace. Stand out as a professional. Here's another thing you can send out. Mr. and Mrs. Seller, everybody always asks me the age of the windows. How old are the windows? Did you guys know that in every single window, pretty much, they actually have the date they were made printed right inside the window? So all you have to do is actually walk in. You can see along the side, oh, these ones were made in 2016. And the vast majority of times, they're probably put in within a year or two of them being made, right? Um, so you can point out that. And the last thing you can say, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, um, did you know that the, the sun obviously rises in the east and sets in the west? So the east and the south part of your roof take the biggest beating throughout the day for sun. So if you're actually walking up to on the north side of the house and you look at the shingles, they might look perfectly fine. But if you go around the back, you might actually see them peeling and having a problem. So always make sure to check out those two sides of the roof. By the way, don't quote me on the east. I can't remember if it's east or west. I know it's the south, but anyways. So... It is the East, I think. Yeah, because it's morning. Yeah. Anyways, so there's are three quick things that I now establish myself as a professional, right? Super quick, super easy, right? Now, here's the last part. Um, 
then you're going to turn around and say, well, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, potential buyer, I've really appreciated this. Thank you very much for coming in. Hey, let me ask you before you go, is this how you're actually looking at homes? You're just kind of showing up to open houses? And they'll say yes. And you say, great. Um, so do you have anybody who's helping you find homes or sending you any information? Now, you're usually going to get one of three answers. You're going to say no, yes. Well, two answers are no or yes. And if they do say yes, oh, great. So you're under contract with somebody? I'm like, well, no, no, no. We didn't sign a contract because they don't want to look stupid, right? So if they do say yes, and you say, oh, so you're under contract? They're like, no, 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 we're not under contract, right? And this is where the script kicks in. You say, oh, great, Mr. and Ms. Seller, that's absolutely fantastic. And the good news for you guys is from this point forward, every realtor you meet is going to want to apply for the job of being your realtor. And I'd like to too. Now, I happen to do things a little bit differently than most. I want to take you out once or twice. And this is my application process. I want to show you how I see homes. And at the end of that first or second time going out, I'm going to ask you if I got the job. And if you like how, what I do, if you like who I am, let's work together. If not, that's completely okay. No worries. Worst case scenario, you just got to see a few homes. How does that sound? And nobody will say no to that. Now, one more follow-up to that. This is just kind of a little added bonus, which drives other realtors nuts. I say, by the way, Mr. and Mrs. Potential Buyer, have you been having to fill out forms every place like my listing they just did? Fill out forms every place they went into? They'll say yes. Like, here's a little trick. Here's 15 of my cards. You never have to call me again, but just give it to them and say we're working together and they can't contact you if you don't want to be bothered by them. I'll email you later with the list of properties. Thanks. Have a good day. Yeah. So there's just a really quick thing for open houses. Um, and that mentality behind that script has worked really, really well for me. Perfect. Mm -hmm. I point everything out. That's my application process. I say, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, first of all, thank you so much. I'm always going to bring a copy of the listing. So I got asked when I show the homes and it's my application process, what am I doing um, to make it memorable? So I'm always going to bring a copy of the listing. I'm going to have it in their own folder, copy of my card, everything. I do have my own little buyer's booklet as well for the first time, just to talk a little bit about me, right? And I'm going to say, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Potential Buyer, listen, here's your job. It's your job to fall in love with the house. Here's my job. My job is to pick it apart. So while you're trying to figure out where your furniture goes and everything else, these are things I'm looking for. I'm looking to see are there flower beds against the house so I know if there might be a leak in the basement. I'm looking to see the age of the windows. Remember that roof trick I taught you? I'm looking at the shingles as I walk in. And I'm going to point all these things out. And in the end, it's your choice what you want to do. I'm going to tell you if it's aluminum wiring or copper, copper wiring. These are all things I'm looking for as you're trying to figure out, does your stuff fit? Make sense? They say makes sense. And then that's how you go through the property. And as a quick side note, always try to find stuff. Like always, it doesn't have to be big, but always try to find small things. Like um, again, if you've been on, I've been on a lot of home inspections and it's a shame they're not going on right now because it's such a great thing. But flower beds against houses are a source of pooling water. It does not mean the house leaks at all. It just means if there is a leak, there's a chance that it's going to be there. So I might turn around and say, okay, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, this was actually the wall that had the flower bed power to remember from outside. And they're like, yeah, like good news is I do not see any leaking that has happened. Right. So I'm now going to relate back to the information I promised I would give them to what's going on in the house. And that's my job is to do that. And then after a few homes, I turn around and say, great. Um, by the way, 
they are never ever signing contracts. Do not use the term contract. Contracts are scary, scary words. We're done seeing the three homes. And I would say, all right, Mr. and Mrs. Potential Buyer, let me ask you, should we go back to my office and review the paperwork that allows me to represent you? It is always reviewing the paperwork that allows me to represent you. That's it. And if they want to think about it, I let them do it. I just say like, dude, you're buying a house. You need to make a right decision. Think about, again, give away power to take power. Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, if you want to think about it, I get it. It's a big decision. Now, I also want to make you a guarantee. I don't want to work with anybody I don't want to work with. And I don't expect you to either. So if you need, I have no problem even putting it in writing. If this relationship starts to break down, we'll just part ways. Never happened, by the way. I've never had it break down. I've had a lot of bad clients. I've had to fire clients, but I've never had it break down on their side. It just makes them comfortable that they have that out, right? So any questions about that? Yeah. There you go. One note, by the way, that card thing, I actually did an open house down the street, Macaulay mine, and like 15 people actually went into there and gave them my card. It was so funny. The text messages I was getting was hilarious. So are there any other questions on Zoom at all? Like have to back up. All right. Well, thank you guys very much for coming. Um, I'm going to probably post online uh, some script books. They have some KW script books. I do highly recommend going through them. This is just kind of that fundamental. I wanted to talk about how to actually do the scripts. I want, because the mirror match game, the disk profile, um, embedded commands, this is what makes the scripts work. If you don't know their disk profile, if you're not in rapport, it doesn't matter what script you have, nothing's ever going to work. So. I'll double check. I'll, I'll post the link either today or tomorrow in the Facebook group. Um, yeah, there's a few disc profile tests that you can, you can get done. Uh, it's so well worth doing, by the way. Um, man, it is mind blowing what you will learn about yourself in a disc profile. It'll tell you the environment you're good in, how well you work, the best way to communicate with yourself, everything. So I will be now, now we're back in person. Yeah. I'm going to try to teach once a, once a month. I love teaching. So this is a, yeah. yeah. Awesome. No problem. All right, Zoom, I'm going to sign out unless you guys have any questions. All right. Thank you very much, everybody.